High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, basketball players, parents who support their children no matter what, coaches both at the collegiate and high school level. Oh, and an extra special shout out to anyone out there who's ever had a dream that might seem impossible. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, your sophomore year is still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. Did you get John Cusack to unblock us on Twitter yet? I doubt it, but that's okay. I understand. To me, I know this is technically a college film, but... I feel like it's that math problem in Goodwill Hunting. It's just on the board. I don't really expect anyone to solve it, but if someone does, genius moment. John Cusack, please unblock us. Anyway, your homework was, of course, to listen to last week's episode of High School Slumber Party, and that was our first movie in this great March Madness basketball series we're doing. And, of course, our guest was Mike Manzi, and the film was an awesome one. It was Teen Wolf. Did you guys watch Teen Wolf? Did you listen to the episode? Well, again, big thank you to Mike Manzi, as always. But before we get into your homework for this week, just wanted to give that old reminder to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us right now, whether that be Apple Podcasts, whether that be Stitcher, whether that be Spotify, or Google Play. And of course, you can always listen to us on the flagship, cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me, home of so many great pop culture podcasts, including this one. Proud to be on this network. And remember, the very best way that you can support High School Slumber Party is by telling a friend about all the great things we do here. Spread the word. Pass a note in class. I'd really, really appreciate it. And speaking of class, class participation is a huge part of your grade. So please participate by emailing me at highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, High School Slumber Party. Let me know what you think of these episodes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. We still have to talk about our homework for this week, which of course was to watch Hoop Dreams. I know it's a commitment. I know it's long. And it's our first documentary, so I'm really excited about that. It's a little different, but oh my god, I'm so happy I saw it. 
Our guest today is Kirkland Shepard. He was previously on our Varsity Blues episode. He's a big documentary guy. Also played basketball in high school, so figured he'd be the perfect guest. Oh my god, this is a fun one. We actually recorded it over two days. We, like idiots, tried to do it before a big boxing match, but the guests came early, or maybe on time, who knows. So we said, let's pick it up another day. So we finished it. So there's going to be kind of an awkward halftime in the middle of this, but that's okay. It all ends up becoming a very awesome podcast. So without further ado, pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're sleeping over Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. I leave you with a song from the Hoop Dream soundtrack. Ben Sidron is the composer, I guess. The song is called Hood Dreams. Class dismissed. excited to talk about this one. This is actually the first documentary we're doing on here. I mean, there aren't too many, like, high school documentaries, but this is just, like, such an important documentary in the history of documentaries. I feel like I had to do it. And we're doing basketball movies for March Madness, so happy to have you back here. Excellent. Glad to be back. This is, this is definitely a big one. Every week we introduce ourselves saying your name, high school, graduating class, and the team name. Oh, man. Okay. That's right. Kirkland Shepard. Comswag High School out on Long Island, New York. The Comswag Warriors, oh, yeah. which are uh, a little controversial now, but they're still holding <laughs> on to it. And uh, graduating class of 01. So they're like warriors, like Native American warriors? Warriors though. like walk into the gym and there were two huge murals of like like Apache. Oh, shit. You know, <laughs> like Indians on horses with axes like and bow and arrows. Because, like, Warriors 1, you could, like, get away with, but, like, oh, we don't mean that. But. Yeah, no. This is that. <laughs> this is that. Like, gotcha. straight up last of the Mohicans. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll change. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been there in a while. I'm sure that that's not what's on the walls anymore. But, uh, I guess someone from there will have to let us know. <laughs> but last time you were here, it was for another sports film, Varsity Blues. Um, yeah. You know, a couple reasons why I wanted to have you on for Hoop Dreams. One is I know you're a huge documentary guy. For sure. Had you seen this documentary before? Man, it's so weird. I had, sort of. And I remember when it was like my dad and my uncle saw it. And at the time, I was like 13 or 14 years old. And I was, like, just coming into my own hoop dream, you know? Yeah. So I could feel, like, like the undertone on, of it. I just wasn't in the space to really take it in, you know? So it was almost like I was seeing it for the first time. You know, it was, like, vague, almost like um, like deja vu in a sense, yeah. you know? Like, you remember little uh-huh. pieces of it, but I'm obviously a very different human 
than I was when I watched it the yeah. first time. I can't wait to talk about it because last time I saw it was high school in like um either a films class or an English class. I'm not sure. Oh, I think it was humanities or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. And I haven't seen it since then. I knew I wanted to see it. And again, it was a big ass because it's almost three hours long. So I appreciate you hanging in with that. But also, you know, as you said last time on Varsity Blues, you played some basketball back in high school. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. So yeah. I thought that'd be a good you know thing to discuss as well. What's your history with basketball, I guess? Basketball was actually the one as far as choosing where I was going to go. So, like, we watched Varsity Blues. The football was kind of like, oh, you can get recruited by these schools and, like, play this one position and probably get hurt. Or you can go to, like, any one of these schools, play basketball, and obviously your opportunity for longevity is much longer. And I feel, I almost feel like, in a way, as I was watching this, it was heavy. So, like, literally, I wouldn't say as, I mean, obviously not even, like, you know, half as good as the two guys that we're going to discuss in the movie. But that whole going to schools, having them show you around, da-da-da-da-da, like, like basketball was it. <laughs> yeah. So this was really, I can see why as a youngster or as somebody who was about to start that journey, I was not interested in seeing anyone else's journey that potentially didn't turn out. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't think about that, but that's, yeah. a, that's a good point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Did you play in college? No, I got, um, it was funny. I got offers all around and then wound up having like a serious conversation with my pop, which was like pretty pivotal as far as our relationship, mm-hmm. where I literally had to decide like if I was going to go to the 13th grade and like graduate with a degree in finger painting and probably <laughs> not go to the NBA and like not play in Europe and not be able to do anything when I graduated or uh, like go, or I wound up going to Howard University. Yeah, and like great school. And actually studying and like getting a legitimate education. So I was pretty thankful for that. But it was hard. It was hard. And every time, you know, every time like the younger level, the AAU level, the college level, something that I can actually like relate to, it's, it's like it's tough to watch to a degree. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So this was, it was, it was intense, man. This wasn't no varsity blues. <laughs> that that's very fair to say. <laughs> um, and, and you know, feel free to draw on your experiences as we talk about this film. But okay, so every week I read like the back of the DVD, back of the VHS, just to give a. If you for some reason didn't watch the movie and you're listening today, just to give a little like sense of what it's about. And again, guys, it's a documentary here. It's not a narrative film, so it's going to be a little bit of different conversation. But here goes. Two ordinary inner-city kids dare to dream the impossible. Professional basketball glory. In this epic chronicle of hope and perseverance... Sorry, I read that all wrong, but you get it. Filmed over a five-year period, Hoop Dreams follows young Arthur Agee and William Gates as they navigate the complex, competitive world of scholastic athletics while striving to overcome the intense pressures of family life and the realities of the Chicago streets. Um, It's going to be kind of like a... um, you know, an information dump at the beginning, but, you know, it'll mostly be just like a free-form conversation here today. Because, again, this is a film without scenes, really. There are moments and stuff we'll talk about, but um, originally the filmmakers wanted to shoot a 30-minute film for PBS just about, like, Chicago, like, street basketball. Really? I did not know that. And then when they found... I think they found Arthur first, 
And they're like, why don't we just do a documentary about this? And they ended up spending five years with both these families, which is crazy, you know. What? Um, Steve James is the director, but Peter Gilbert and Frederick Marx were like, they're three filmmakers, basically. Because, you, you know, you had to be in like a couple places at once. Uh-huh. And this film is considered like kind of a pivotal moment in not just film history, but just like funding history, because it was funded by PBS, the National Endowment for the Arts, KTCA, which is just like a station in Minnesota. A lot of like government funding went to make this film. When people argue like, should the government be involved in the arts? This is often a film that's brought up to be like, look at this documentary they made on, you know, and again, the budget wasn't like huge, you know, but it was enough for these three guys who, my God, what a commitment to make five years on something. Wow. I didn't know any of that. That's wild. Yeah. uh, You know, it's pretty cool stuff. Um, They had to edit, you know, it's five years, but there's around eight years of footage because they have like some back footage. They have some footage from later on 250 hours of raw footage you know they ended up having to edit into three hours which is crazy to think about Uh we're going to talk about the oscars in a little bit but the one thing this actually was nominated for was editing and you could see why but it's funny the the oscar thing like most people have heard of hoop dreams but i feel like even our generation, certainly not the younger generation, but even our generation, hasn't really taken the time to like watch this documentary. I don't know why, but unlike narrative films that kind of get passed along, documentaries kind of like exist in the era that they are and don't really get like shuffled along like a book or something. It's weird because again, fact, I've yeah. seen Hoop Dreams, but again, it has been since high school, and I really, yeah. I'm not saying I have an interest, but it's just not something that's on people's minds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's super real. It's weird. (laughs) So I mentioned the Academy Awards quick. This film, more often than not, is talked about today because of the controversy surrounding the Academy Awards. And this film, it was not even nominated for Best Documentary, which is a travesty among travesties. And famously... out of here. Siskel and Ebert, who are from Chicago, they were livid this year that this happened. Um, And they kind of like... You know, like lifted the curtain on the process and kind of changed how things are nominated since this point. So how it worked at the time was there was a room full of selected people by the Academy. Mm -hmm. This is for best documentary. I'm not sure about other categories. And everyone had a flashlight and they'd be just watching the films. And as they would go along, if the majority of flashlights, I think, hit the screen... The, the documentary would just shut off and you'd go to the next one. What? And a, yeah, which is crazy. What? And apparently within 10 minutes, they shut Hoop Dreams off. And if, if you're not going to commit to the full Hoop Dreams, you're not going to get this whole story, you know? And to top it all off, in that room, and the room maybe had, I don't know, like 12 to 20 people. Uh-huh. In that room, of the like five or six nominees, three of the people who were nominated were in that room for their other films. So it's a pretty like it was a pretty corrupt process. Wow! And this film ended up making money, which is very rare, especially at the time for documentaries. Yeah, sure. Today, documentaries can make money because there's so many streaming services right. and channels. Right. But at the time, if you're filming a documentary and thinking to running it in theaters, you're not gonna you're not thinking of doing this for the money, you know. And this film actually, like I said, ended up making money. So people were shocked when this wasn't nominated, and it just changed the entire process. Oh my God, that's crazy! I had no idea about any of that. That is wild. Yeah. Um. So it won Sundance. It won all these other festivals. It became 
I mean, at least for that year, 94, it was, like, pretty much a sensation. Like, people were talking about hoop dreams. But what a, what a testament to the same, I don't know what you want to call it, fucking the malarkey that takes place <laughs> in the academy. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. It just goes to show you, like, that stuff. And we're not going to do it here, but we could list off, like, yeah, the last that's a whole other pictures. that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, and we could be like, <laughs> oh, that one over that film? So, yeah. It's all a bunch of bullshit, but it was important. You would think in documentary, which really should be like the purest form of filmmaking, 100%. that it would be like 100% nominated at yeah. least, you know? I guess one of the biggest questions I had going into this recording today was, is this film going to hold up? Like, will it still mean something to us, mm. this generation, which is so really removed from 1994? Uh. Yeah, I mean, let's get to talking about it. Typically... Right now, I'd talk about, like, the cast and crew. Obviously, there's no, you know, we mentioned the crew, but there's really no cast, if right. you will. Right, It just follows the two stories we said, like Arthur Agee and William Gates' story in Chicago. So, you know, let's talk about it. Like, what struck you about this film? <laughs> it was crazy to go back in time, right? Like, back in real time, even from, like, like what's his Arthur's dad's name? Bo, Bo Agee, like... Yeah. The Jerry curl. <laughs> the, the the initial footage was like a very pivotal time in culture. The death of a culture and the beginning of a culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. from the beginning That's to the point. end of this thing. So just from like, like if you go back and watch it from a fashion and stylistic standpoint, you can see, especially like in black culture, like, whoa, this was here, you know, like this was like Big Daddy Kane, and then we <laughs> ended in, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah, in no particular order, I remember I wrote down like like the starter jackets, but uh, Arthur has like this like purple denim. Yes, like- <laughs> yes, and then and then Arthur was such it's Arthur is such a fantastic microcosm for the culture because if you watch his haircuts. <laughs> That's good. If you watch his You're hairstyle right. throughout the doc, it was like, and then also his age, right? You got like young. Oh, I'm gonna have the haircut that my parents. It's give funny because like William feels like he doesn't grow as much physically, in terms of just the way he looks. Yeah. But Arthur is like from like the first shot of him to the end. Arthur like, goes you through see him it. Become a man. You know? <laughs> Arthur like, yeah. goes through it. But and, sorry, the hairstyle. Yeah. No. 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 But but even that, even what you just said, and you see the the whole. At the pinnacle of his flyness, the blonde, yeah. like, puff that his friend had. What was his friend that was living with him? Oh, I, I forgot his name. But um, character. But um, to circle back, does it hold weight? Sadly, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I, I... Absolutely. What struck me was how common the story is. And how, I think one of the things that makes it so remarkable is how unremarkable it winds up, if that makes sense. Right? Like, okay, so I wrote something down, and it's like a cliche, right? Like, if this was a movie, no one would buy it because it was so cliche. Yes. You know? But yeah. it's not a movie. Yeah. And that's what yeah. makes it awesome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well said. Before we leave the fashion thing, because I don't think we'll talk about it, <laughs> but just... 
I love when Arthur started rocking those like different world glasses. Yeah. Like he had like <laughs> the, the Dwayne, the yeah. Dwayne Wade joint. I was like, oh my god, I didn't remember this. So, uh, sorry, just wanted to get this in recording. And, I, it, it's, and it made <laughs> me wonder, and it made me wonder because we're so used to watching documentaries now, and reality TV was not a thing mm-hmm. in '94. So, like, they were fly. Like, the guidance counselor with her little tinted... Oh, yeah. Like, she was fly. And it makes you wonder how much, like, man, were you really dressing like that if these cats weren't coming in with the cameras? But at the same time, like, they were putting in overtime with those cameras. So they kind of got used to it. It was... It was there was just so much going on. Like, culturally, there was so much going yeah, on. Yeah, I'm actually glad you brought up reality TV, and I'm glad you brought up that, because, you know, I did want to say that, like, as much as we want documentaries to just be, like, you know, a fly on the wall, it can never be that way. Once the camera is on, people are going to behave a little bit differently. Mm. Now, you're hoping that, like, look, these people spent five years that they'd eventually, like, let their guard down. Right. But... Some things are heightened, especially like conversations with parents. They're always going to play up who they are. Definitely. In these situations, Definitely. guidance counselors too, the coaches. You uh-huh. know, they know the cameras are on uh-huh. them, so you're never getting a hundred percent reality. But again, the hope is that, like, look, they're not popping in here for like a day. Yeah. This is five years, so the hope is that you'll eventually see, you know, the reality of things. Yeah, and it's almost like you have to. You would like to believe that they've exhausted the novelty of Mm -hmm. their presence. But even still, even the most sensationalized versions are still like, that's how it is. (laughs) Like, that's how it was. (laughs) You know? I thought it was interesting. So, like I said, this is almost three hours. But if you count it, it's not divided evenly by years. The first year goes by, I I counted in 24 minutes. Yeah. The oh, second yeah, year is wow. not that long either. <clears throat> so if you think of it that way, then there's, I think, I mean, I hope that they've gotten just used to the cameras and they can no longer play, as fucked up as that sounds. Mm-hmm. However, there was a note that I read that I'm like, oh, okay, I, I guess why they did it. So if you remember, there's one point where they talk about how Arthur's, after the dad leaves and stuff, like they lose power uh-huh. and such. Yeah. And, yeah. Eventually, the filmmakers were kind of like, well, what are we going to do if they don't have power? So they actually paid their electric bill to continue the, the documentary. Ah. And to be clear, uh, like before anyone's like, wow, this is kind of fucked up that they like made money off this. They could not pay them as long as they were NCAA eligible. You know, because once they paid them for the documentary, they wouldn't have been able to play in college. Mm-hmm. After their NCAA tenure was done. The filmmakers added them on as producers. So everything after that, they got a cut from the film. So, like, that's good, at least. It was afterwards. So the only time there was, like, a direct intervention... Because, look, if I was even there... That is... Oh, my God. This is a whole... (laughs) Let's not even go down. Let's not even go down this rabbit hole. That is wild. That's wild. It's like, so the only time but, that, yeah. there was a direct intervention was putting the lights on there. But they were trying to avoid it, obviously. Because I think even if you or I were filming there and you saw, like, oh, my God, this is fucking going on. Like, you'd kind of be, like, you kind of feel a pull to, like, yeah. help out. Yeah. We're watching this for three hours. And we're getting connected yeah. to the characters. Uh, I, should, I call them characters, but, like, the people here. Yeah. Imagine if you're actually f- with them every day. Like, how, how attached you're going to get yeah. to them. 
Man, it's just like I'm like a uh, you know I'm like a BBC Earth junkie, and it's like mm-hmm. the same way the crocodile is about to go get the baby <laughs> such and such. Like you can't do anything nope. about it. You know that's wild. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. Again, it's hard to frame this like ne- um chronologically here. So I kind of want to talk about whatever you want to talk about, but important like the people in everyone's life here to me like struck me hard you mentioned it before let's talk about arthur's dad Bo. big character here a character i think a lot of people were I, again i'm calling him characters i'm so used to it but sure, sure, a sure. Person. well he is he is in the story <laughs> in the story look it's a story and stories have characters yeah for sure. um and he's a character for sure impressions of Bo, Bo moments um anything that relates to kind of arthur's story when it comes to Bo. you know I find myself, and not to get overly deep, doing something with this film, with this doc, that black people or marginalized people, period, marginalized people, I should say, do quite often. And it is that laugh or die, Mm. right? Like laugh or kill yourself. And... As I watched, I think this was such a moving experience because there were so many moments that were super heavy, but then you're like looking for the joke, right? And even if you watch the kids like in class, yeah. just like always resort to a smile. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like even with, with Arthur's dad, Bo, the first thing I was going to say was, yo, when that motherfucker came back to the court, though... Like, he still had the six-pack and still put it on him when he was getting recruited. And that was, like, almost like the the thing that um, we, whoever we is, the wider, marginalized world, whatever that means, beyond race, you know, um, we tend to hold on to those moments, right? Like, the bright moments, the bright and shiny Mm -hmm. moments. But, um... His father, I found his dad to be a very real, obviously, depiction of a a man in that role. And I wonder how much the documentary had to do with his quote-unquote savior and commitment to coming back. Because... It, in the in like normally like seven out of ten times that dude's gone. He just like played three three on three with his kid, took his kid to the hole, and then went and sold some dope on the corner of the court, and then like rolled out. You know I, what I mean? And you were literally talking about something that happens in this movie. There is a scene where you know he shows up, he says hi to Arthur, and you can tell by the way towards the end that Arthur's getting fed up with him as yeah. he grows up. But this is a scene where he says hi to him. He knows the cameras are there, obviously, and he goes and buys drugs in yeah. the corner. Yeah. I was like, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> yeah. Shirtless. Shirtless. The only the only motherfucker shirtless are like <laughs> in the park. <laughs> it's true. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't give a fuck. Fascinating, fascinating person in this film. And again, we're not like rooting for Bo here. Bo, you know off camera obviously like you know beats the mother 
again, he comes back to Christianity and is back with the family. But, I, again, I love how Arthur can sense that there's, like, bullshit behind yeah. it. It's, like, to me, that's part of his maturity process. I guess, you know, kind of doing a disservice here. Narratively, and I think what we'll do, I think it's better to do this. We'll talk about Arthur, then we'll talk about William. Cool. Arthur, but both these kids get recruited, essentially, by that, like, scout guy to go to uh, St. Joseph's. Mm-hmm. Earl Smith works downtown as an insurance executive. On weekends, he's an unofficial talent scout for several area high schools. This is what you call beating the bushes. This is the job of most of your freshman coaches and guys like me who, who played a little bit of the game, who loves trying to help young people on the road to success. Today, Earl spots Arthur Agee, who just graduated from grammar school. He got the quickest first step. I've seen in about five years. First step. I will bet you a steak dinner in four years you'll be hearing from him. I don't even know anything about him. Which, they make a big deal. It's a school that Isaiah Thomas went to. Um, it's on the outskirts of Chicago. It's like, it looks like, like you know, kind of a honestly, mostly white school that, like, really prides itself in its basketball team. But they charge tuition. It's not a public school. It's important to go, you know, it, that's an important note here. A really important note. Arthur goes for a year, and both Arthur and William are kind of behind, like, education-wise. Mm. Arthur goes for a year, and he kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, he flunks out, essentially. But it's more because his family can't pay but there are a lot of allegations here that like i don't want to even say allegations because people say it in this film that he doesn't play basketball good enough so they don't help him out because we see william get so much help from these like encyclopedic encyclopedia people yeah that it's kind of feasible what they're saying that like and arthur at this point he's a really small kid you know yeah he's got skills but he definitely is immature and one interpretation of seeing this is that they kind of say fuck him and I love how they still owe the money and they won't even release the transcript. Oh, so he's behind man. it. And that's kind of like the one of the driving factors of this film. Like he, he ends up having to go to like an inner city public school in Chicago. You know, his family owes the money to pay this bill. And he pro- pretty much can't graduate w- without them paying this. I love, though, how their story's divided. Because I think if they both went to St. Joe's and played for the same team... We would get a totally different story that... I thought that was really, really cool. And I don't know if it was, like, haphazard, like, trying to find, the, you know, the two kids that were good enough. Uh-huh. Because even their connection, mm-hmm. which was realistically vague, if that makes sense. Not yeah, vague. They definitely they were... But you wonder how much of it was, oh, the producers, we're shooting this, and you're doing this story, and you're doing this story. They definitely didn't push it at the beginning. There's a couple shots of Arthur on the freshman team, like, saying hi to William on the varsity team. Yeah. But towards the end, like, when they meet up again, it feels, like, good watching, because you're like, oh, you know? Yeah. So, like, again, we don't know how much of it was staged or not. I don't yeah. want to say staged. And I, yeah, right. Not staged. Not staged. They were just both, like, like really going through it. And like when you think about William, for example, which I don't want to jump the gun, but, like, all of a sudden you're like, oh, William's got a baby. 
Williams got a baby. Williams got to pass the ACT. Williams got an ACL injury, and William needs to. Oh God! Fucking <laughs> da, da 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 da. You're like William ain't got no time for Arthur. For Arthur's ass. If they live in the same apartment, William ain't got no time for Arthur's ass. <laughs> you know oh my God! Again, we'll talk about. Uh, William, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. It's amazing the narrative journey that the viewer goes through, and you know what? For some reason, I was thinking of what it must have been like to be a white person in 1994 watching this. Because a white person today, you know... Bro, that's something I never thought about once. <laughs> I'm dead serious. No, but I that's mean... That's something I never thought about once. Because, let, like, <clears throat> let's be frank, like most people like in the inner cities are probably not going to see a documentary film. The people who are seeing documentary films are probably like people, like university people. Affluent, like, kind of, I'm into the into the art of exactly. it. What's the next? And, and yeah. There's a yeah. race element, but there's also, like, I also don't think, like, the, you know, people in Arkansas, for example, are going to see this film either. I think that, uh, in 94, I'm saying. Not sure, now. sure, sure, sure. I sure, think sure. that in 94, the people who are watching it are, like, people who watch documentaries in a theater, I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, the, there's, dude, like, it was, class. it was, yeah, because it was, we were black Middle class, super comfortable middle class, right? Like Long Island. But but I don't even know like where my dad went to get the double tape. Like I remember <laughs> I remember the double tape, like the cover <laughs> of the dude, I think it might have been William, like dunking across the two VHS things. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah it was have you seen it? And I was Yeah, no, like I know exactly. And and, and I remember that was like, oh, like Michael Jackson's like Motown '83, I think it was like on the joint, and then like Hoop Dreams. There was like a like a VHS, you know, vault of important of important things. So I don't even know, you know, where I he know got you, it. I know you said this on air, but your dad was like a professor, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like psychology. Yeah, so like I, he was more in like the class, if you will, to probably watch this film. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So, you know, I, but I, I wonder, like, just someone who's not familiar with, you know, the quote-unquote inner cities at all, watching this in 1994. Today, I, I think we're, you know, the culture's a little bit different. There's more, for lack of a better word, like assimilation. People are more in tune with things. But especially back then, you even watch, there is such, like, a separation um, there's a moment, again, I don't, you know, we'll talk about William a little later. There's a moment, though, where, like, I guess one of the teachers at St. Joseph's talks to William about his trip to Marquette, and he's like, did you talk to the black students on campus? Yeah. And it is like, I get what he's saying, because he, no, he's there saying are, not there, wrong, No, there are there's such a weird, and like, there are, it, there are, <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you brought that <laughs> up. I forgot about that. I was that. like, that's, I was there, like, this is weird. If William says, like... Three things, and the the professor, the teacher says five. The first three things that the professor says are like, "What, what, what?" It was like like the leader of the black students. He's like, "Who's leading the black students?" And then he gets his footing, and he means well. You know, he does he means well. That's but funny, you can right? just like, see how like... foreign this <laughs> this conversation is. And but all the while, William's sitting there with that smile, like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, this is what we're taught to do. So he definitely, that professor or whatever, definitely means well. Yeah. Because like what he's saying is, like, <clears throat> are you going to 
fit in there? Are you going to be comfortable there? But the way he's saying it, yeah. like what he thinks about it, yeah. is so again foreign. Yeah, like, just like. <laughs> and and to be totally honest, like that. I mean, you don't really see his interaction with many of the professors or teachers. You hear him talk about how nobody was there for him at one point. Yeah. But um, that was probably his ally. Like, that was his dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, You're out of everybody, wrong. that was probably his dude. Because there's another scene where, and this is like nuance, and this might be me as a black dude watching the movie, but they're talking about the ACT. And there are just certain terms where you're just going to be like, ugh, and cringe as soon as you hear it. And the teacher's like, if a monkey oh. was... <laughs> was I know she didn't and mean she it didn't, that way. She didn't. But you're just like, oh, man, no, no. of all the animals in the, <laughs> in the fucking animal kingdom. And, and I am not that guy. I'm not that guy. But I just remember being like, ooh. We it felt just, weird. We, we, were, uh, we were just a little <laughs> less sensitive back then. <laughs> because uh, even what she's saying... It makes sense. It makes sense, but it's like, again, I hope, I don't know, I hope today that you're not using that same analogy. Yeah, I, I talked myself out of it by thinking of... Um, <laughs> do you remember the... Uh, I think it was when the when the Apple came out, the Apple PC came out, and there was a commercial where like monkeys were just like banging at it because they didn't know how to use it. And I was like, that. I was like, progression. Yeah, this is ninety. This is ninety four. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> so back to Arthur quickly. <clears throat> Arthur's story definitely evolves because he goes to this inner city school, and arguably, while his his challenges are different because St. Joe's, it was like totally fitting in and being mature enough. And that was like a high intensity program. When he goes to this school, one of the heroes in this film for me is that coach at like his, his newer school. Yeah. His inner city school. Who's like such a realist. And I love it. He flat out says like, he's like, you know, Arthur got kicked out of that program because he wasn't progressing enough. Yeah. And I just love seeing Arthur in that environment. But you know what? I was thinking about this. Like, yeah, St. Joe's had its challenges. But that school's challenges were, like, arguably even harder because there's so much more peer pressure in that school. Like, again, we keep forgetting the friend's name, and I'll, I'll look it up. But, like, he had his friend who moved in with him who ends up being kind of like a troublemaker, and you can kind of see that. I don't know. It was so tough for him in that school, and... I think of even myself. We all mature at different ages. We're put in these grades just because of, you know, our literal age. But you could tell, like, Arthur feels like a kid at the beginning of this. And William feels, not, he still feels like a kid, but, like, he feels like more ready for these challenges. Wow. It, it ends I up being... where you're going. That's, yeah. It ends up being yeah. that, like, they both kind of have, like, similar trajectories in different places. So I'm not, not saying anything like that. But I love seeing Arthur's, like, for lack of a better word, growth in sure. this film. Sure, sure. Arthur went through it. Arthur, Arthur's got such a real story. Because um, for starters, it's like, first of all, growing up in that situation, marginalized, lower class, lower socioeconomic status, blah, 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 all the things that we all know exist. Those are all your excuses, but there are no excuses, right? Like, that's where you're at. And that's just the way you see it, right? So even, like, Arthur didn't have an injury, you know? And didn't have the physical therapy and didn't have the professional blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. He was just, like, out there playing in the street hard, 
playing harder in the street than he was playing in the gym, which is a motherfucking no-no when you have anyone <laughs> who really cares about your career. Like, the, the last... You're not allowed. Like, they'll... Like, literally, they'll have you sign, um, you know, mini, doc, mini documents as a high school player. I had to sign them. Like, oh, I wasn't really? allowed to wow. play gym, you know? Wow. But then... The things that he dealt with just on some cool shit, like he was staying fresh because the drug dealers in the neighborhood. I love that. Yeah. Will, you know what I mean? I didn't yeah, love it. You no, know I, mean? I love Will, seeing it. Yeah. Yes, and they'll legitimately, <laughs> and this isn't a, you know, silver or lead, you're in our pocket kind of thing. This is a, you're doing what we can't do. And we care about you, so we're going to fund you. Man, look at that Georgetown coat, man. I might get that drink. Dang. Pocket on the Elmer. side. Yeah. yeah, that's one I'll tell you about. How much? 70 bucks, even. No tax. Some of the drug pushers in the neighborhood, they'll give us money to tell us go shop and go get you some. They think if we play basketball and they can give us stuff and keep our career going. So that's how we really keep up with the style. And there's no who knows, right? But I've got three or four friends where that was the case. Where like literally we were playing AAU travel ball mm. or somebody was paid. This is before Uber, Lyft, any of that bullshit. Somebody was paid the dope man to drive one of my best friends to practice every wow. day out in Suffolk County from Queens and like he wasn't allowed to bring any product or any weapons in the car because he didn't want this kid getting in trouble. And like he funded it because his mom couldn't. Wow. And like he went up, you know, wound up playing D2 ball and we lost touch and who knows but it was like that's their way of reinvesting in the community and the way they just he like he just said it like yeah you know it's, it's just part of it I know? love to be yeah I, I mean you hit the nail on the head like no one sees himself as the bad guy right like it's very rare that someone's like I'm the bad guy fuck everybody right yeah so like yeah. the you know these drug dealers that like they see themselves as that I mean and it's and they're not wrong in a sense like Supporting Arthur and stuff like that is that's like an awesome thing, or like you, you know the guy you knew, or you're saying like that's not a that's not a bad thing, and it's like look maybe it's like an ego thing, maybe it's like to just like pat your back, but yeah, I thought it was so f like that scene where like they're they go to that I don't know you, you and I both live in New York and we've seen so many of these stores that they like go yeah. into <laughs> I don't know what they're called but you know what I mean uh, and they the go in they're, they're just like. You know, buying what they call like the hip clothes yeah. or like, the hip shoes, <laughs> and that bill is high. And if you think of it, like nineteen ninety four, like that's crazy. Hell but like, yeah. like, and like you said, they nonchalantly say like, "Oh, the you know the drug dealers give us this money, um, just to you know, so we can just stick up, you know, be up with the times." But like, what's in and another thing that's interesting about this again, secondary or tertiary depth cultural conversation. Like, my parents were, were very aware of this because for me, growing up out on Long Island, I had to go to the city to play, like, my AAU and travel ball. Mm. So I was playing with all the white kids at high school. We was getting our ass kicked. And then I was <laughs> good enough to go play in the hood. And we were, like, winning. 
and I could go back, you know, my parents were like, oh, let's do the team barbecue at our house. Like, let's do the team such and such at our house because they didn't want me, like, going in there. And the, like you said with the NCAA, these guys in the street know that shit already. Wow. Like, they know that beyond getting flown to NC State so the white girl in the miniskirt can pick you up and they can bring you to the gym and say, oh, and so-and-so-and-so scores 50 points and blah, 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 and yeah. bring you through the whole thing. <laughs> They'll leave you out to dry. So they are, were almost like, it's funny because they would be their funding, like their training funding, but they don't know anything about the game. So if now... And it would be interesting to find out. I feel like now the same thing happens, but the dealers are paying for like personal trainers and like nutritionists and yeah, shit because right? <laughs> I've never thought about this before. No, that's a good point. And, and because you have such a wider or understanding even a... of what it takes to make it, where back then it was like, hey, we got you, but all we know is the latest shoes and, you know, fucking, I don't know, some earring, like a necklace. It's great. No, like, I didn't think about that either, but, like, think of the importance or the difference it would make if someone just changed your diet, you know, paid for you to get better food rather than, like, the food that's available, like, around the block, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> like, today, yeah. That, that is probably happening. Yeah, and this is, this, is, this is, like, a completely different conversation. Me and a friend of mine who played um, D1 college football, we talk about this all the time. Where, when you're thinking about circumstances, like, Arthur's dad was a fucking crackhead. And no pun intended, this dude still had rock handle, no pun intended, <laughs> and could, like, dunk on all the kids in the park. Which is crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm an athlete right now. Like, I eat right and work out and train. And, like, I'm not messing with them kids in the park like that. <laughs> So when you think about what the just like the physiological prowess and intelligence for the game that these kids have eating fucking peanut butter, not even peanut butter and jelly because they can't afford the jelly like eat, you know, or like there was a scene where he like spam sandwiches. Yeah. And it was like the gourmet shit, you know, like when he had his birthday, the cake was unreal. Yeah. Like, they had the cake in the living room. Yeah, my God. Or I think it was his birthday, too, where she's making him uh, one of their birthdays. Again, you know, it's kind of blurring to me. But, like, she's making him, like, the fried chicken. It looks so fried. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, are you going to play a game after this? Yeah. And I, yeah, right? One of the weirdest things I, right? I, like, wrote about this movie, like, in my notes was, like, when she's so close to the oil dipping it in, yeah, you know, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. But, like, that's, that's not, like athlete food that they're eating yeah, but just like give it to us we'll chew it up and spit it out just food in general so it's crazy that's what's so wild about i don't know the numbers so i'm not going to go on record saying it lebron james from akron ohio so lebron james came up playing high school and middle school ball in an environment that looked a lot like that now i think this dude spends I don't know. You got to check the numbers. Everybody Google the numbers. But it's like a million dollars, over a million dollars a year on just his wellness. Mm-hmm. Like oh, the, oh, sure. I mean, he's got the gym. 
in his in his home and it's almost like so when you see that that super athlete LeBron James can go play baseball he could play, when he was in his prime he could play baseball he could probably be a wide receiver absolutely like he could, you know and so when you see that sort of like physiological prowess but now modern times with so much access to science it's almost like when Arthur's mom and dad were, and this is a big part in the movie, we're probably going to pivot right now, when Arthur's mom and dad were talking about signing to, uh, oh God. to mineral. Yeah. Mineral. <laughs> what? By the way? <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to mineral college. It's in like Missouri, right? Yeah. Like some, you know, corner and, of Missouri. And the dad's like trying so hard to sound objective. Yeah, oh my God. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he's like, if, 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 if this is what you, if, if what you, what you want to do, but you, like, you know, it'll put your mother and I in a hole, but we're willing, <laughs> like, he used those words. That's a quote. But we're willing to vote. And she's like, and if this is what you research, and I'm thinking, like, it's fucking 1994. Like, research. Yeah, you, your research what? is going like, to the library. Yeah, like, <laughs> and they're not going to have mineral college yeah, in research. There. Like this kid, and I am not even trying to be funny, might have gone and researched mineral. You know, <laughs> you know no, what I'm you're, saying? You're not wrong. Like, we're just in a, in a completely different space as far as Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that like influences choices today. I don't know if he chooses that place today because like right. maybe right. it doesn't look good on the internet or something, right. you know? Right. Maybe it's not even on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> The way Arthur's story works, and, you know, we'll build to kind of like their final season, but he he's kind of just blue-collar-wise, you know, works his way through the team. He's not even a starter when Super he's in the blue. new school. Yeah, deep uh, blue. He, he's just kind of like a, a, a bench player. He's got, look, he's got skills. Like, that's not, you know, questionable here. But it's almost like his mind has to catch up with his skills. In terms of, when I say mind, I mean more like maturity, right? Yeah. Like, he's got to work hard. He's got to kind of be a leader. And something that I noticed uh, about Arthur, and they mention it here, I'm not, like, novel with saying this, but Arthur rather than William, like, Arthur's, like, confidence doesn't feel phony, you know? He really does believe in himself. William's at times feels like he's like, oh, I know I'm going to make it. But you kind of feel like there's insecurities behind there. Yeah. Arthur believes in himself. I'm, uh, you know... I might even go a step further and say Williams. I'm like flashing back through the through the mm-hmm. doc. <clears throat> like Arthur's got confidence, and like you said, it's not funny. Williams is almost like I don't even know if I would call it confidence. I mean, it is. It is. It's almost like willingness. Like willingness to like believe <laughs> over confidence. The one time. I heard him display confidence was when he was at the recruiting camp. Yeah. And and this is like a four minute window in the in the film. Maybe even less. And he plays well. And then they do it like a little brief interview where he's talking to the camera and he's like, you know, he's like, uh, he's got the greats watching him, right? They, literally in like thirty seconds it's like Coach K, uh, Knight. Yeah. Um I forgot who else. It's like, like, yeah, the, big the Marquette coach of the time. Yeah. And, and um, he's like, I feel great right now. He's like, I know I went out. He's like, I feel like an All American. Like, when I go back to school, 
I'm going to be unstoppable. And that was the only time I was like, yeah. yeah. But it was one of those, like, not the sort of, um, and again, there's the, like a cultural bravado. And it's a hip-hop, basketball and hip-hop go hand in hand. Absolutely. But a, a cultural bravado where, like, like, my shit could smell like shit. And I'm going to walk around like my shit smells like roses. And I think that the, one of the differences, like you said, between Arthur and William is Arthur has that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, like you said also, that's what allows him to grow and mature. And William's not so sure. The coach at St. Joseph's, um, who becomes like a big character... With the pedophile glasses. <laughs> <laughs> he looks he looks like he has no neck. It's like he's such again a character. But he says something like very critical and I think it's like important for the rest of the film. Like any again, Isaiah Thomas is like this shadow that like hangs over this film. Yeah. But, like they both sure. want to be Sure. Or like you know, you have to be Isaiah Thomas apparently. But he says that, like, you know, Isaiah had the skill. Isaiah had maybe something else. But one thing Isaiah had was, like, he doesn't use this exact term, but, like, he I forgot what he says, but something like the killer instinct, you know? Uh-huh. And he says he's not sure William has it. Yeah. And I think we see later in the film that Arthur, who probably does is, like, on paper, not as talented as William, but Arthur seems to have it a lot more than William. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. look, if you're an athlete, it's a super important thing to have. It's like almost like, you know, be a jackass on the court, essentially. What's interesting about that is, and you see it a lot. Look at, man, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, look at your favorite black celebrities and then research where their father is. And by celebrity, I mean athlete and showbiz. And the adversity of... Being a man early, you know, and I don't, I don't, I actually don't remember seeing anything about William's father. Well, eventually he, he like interacts with Oh, the, the, um, he was the car. The, yeah, he's uh, a, he's the, a very like, he's like a mechanic. The, the mechanic was trying to give him that whack ass cutlass, like, <laughs> like halfway or three quarters through the shit. William is kind of like the path of least resistance kind of dude. And even yeah. when, like, you see his mom, like, his mom. But Arthur's, they're all fight, man. They're all dog. They're yeah. all dog. And you can even see it by the amount of streetball scenes. Mm-hmm. You know? The amount of streetball scenes. Arthur's out there, sweats on, long pants, no shirt, owning the court. Like, who's next? <laughs> you know? Who's mm-hmm. next? Who's coming next? And I think that that plays a big role. Killer instinct. Yeah. And I want to talk about his, like, senior year and how this film ends a little bit later. But let's talk about William. William's in this film, as Lisey's, like, portrayed, is more of, like, the golden child, right? Like, he's supposed to be the next Isaiah Thomas. He makes varsity. He ends up starting all four years, something that Isaiah didn't even do. His family is a little bit different, as you said, like, his father isn't involved from the jump. If Bo is like the ancillary, again, I'm going to use the word character, from Arthur's story, Curtis, William's brother, is that character in his story. And I, I wasn't even believing what he was saying in terms of 
you know, people subtly say, like, you even talk about in Varsity Blues, right? Like, living vicariously through, like, your son or your uh-huh. mother. Curtis, like, directly says, like, <laughs> oh my God. like I didn't make it. <laughs> I'm depending on on William to make it. I'm like, oh, my God. This is what kind of... And even William's like, you know, I watched you listen to Curtis eventually, but, like, crazy. But But that's the thing. And even William's like... Everybody wants to be a coach. <laughs> and he's talking about his brother. At first, I thought Curtis was, and this is another black movie, might be, I'm doing a plug for a new podcast, Black Movies, Doughboy from Boys in the Hood. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like Ice Cube, his brother's the athlete. He was, I'm so, I can't believe I forgot about him. What a major player if you can read between the lines, what a major player in this dude's life. Yeah. Especially because the way the mom talks about him, too. You know, like, thought Curtis was going to make it. Curtis didn't make it. Yeah, Curtis was like... The, Curtis was the fucking... The most tragic... Like, damn. Damn. And Curtis... I think he started with the Jerry Curl. <laughs> yeah. Playing one-on-one... Right, playing one on one with like his brother and, and, and muscling yeah. him, like this muscling is what you're gonna get. Him. And I'm like, man, this is good for him, you know. <laughs> this is good for him. And then all of a sudden, it's like he keeps putting on the pounds, keeps losing the hair, cutting it, but yeah, and like can't get a job. And I and so here's the thing about Curtis. I'm glad. I'm so glad you brought up Curtis. <laughs> <clears throat> I was waiting to hear about Curtis's fatal career ending injury curtis is just a lazy motherfucker when it came to scholastics bro and i'm I'm, that's not fair i'm not gonna say lazy that's not fair because i don't know anything about anything but (laughs) but but yeah that's me trying to be diplomatic yeah i mean that's it i mean i think the kicker is when we learn and the filmmakers are so good at doing this that they wait to like pretty much the end to tell us like what happened to Curtis because he has that security job and he loses his job. He doesn't have much going on for uh, in his life. But oh by the way, so I have to mention this. When they introduce the foil, like this brother-in-law guy who has happens to seem seems like he has it more together. Yeah. yeah and he's yeah. super skeptical yeah. of Curtis. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but when they like, you know, Curtis. Oh shit! I don't know. I don't know if I was believing his shit until like they showed us like a montage and it shows. Yeah, Curtis actually really was good, and he ended up, you know, because of academics, playing at a, at a JUCO, and at this junior college, he could have gotten like a or something like a D one scholarship, but like he had a fight. Oh, he did. He ended up going to like South Florida, but he got into a fight with a co- the coach. With the and coach. He, he was pretty much uncoachable, and it was like fuck that. And the mom was like saying it nicely, but like. She just wants to say, like, dude, just, like, shut up, earn your degree, and at least you'd have that, yeah. and you could get better jobs. Man, and <clears throat> you know what's so interesting? I didn't pay as much attention, because I forgot. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, now that you're saying it, it's like, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That is what happened to Curtis. But again, I come back to saying, what a pivotal character in William's development, because I feel like that whole, you know smile and take it um, attitude is probably a result of saying, let me not do what this knucklehead did. Yeah. And it's funny because his relationship with the coach, 
toward the end, he was trying to figure out how to voice his discretions Mm -hmm. with the coach and with the system, but he had still drilled that don't rock the boat kind of mentality into his approach. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's related to what we talked about before, even with the baby, you know, like he, even for the documentary, he was playing up that he was like coachable for lack of a better word. The documentary filmmakers did not even know he had that baby till four months after he had it. Yeah. So he even like skirted them too. The coach, everyone. So eventually he had to admit it. But it's like against what the image that William wanted to portray. And, I, you know, I didn't think about it, but I think you're right. It, that image is based on, like, not being his brother. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It's so, the, the best way to describe this film is heartbreaking. Yes. There's so much heartbreak in yes, this film. Yes, which is why I think I said to you earlier, I don't know if it was on the podcast or before, I was like, man, or somebody else, I was like, man, that shit was real. Like... This is heartbreaking. Translation, this shit was real, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Super real. I think the other, you know, like the baby, yeah, that's obviously a huge deal. Like William's having a lot to go through. The beginning, he's just like, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be the next Isaiah Thomas. Towards the end, he's questioning whether he even likes basketball, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Last left off, we kind of started on William's career and such. Of course, we went on some tangents, and I'm sure we'll go on some other tangents today. But just to bring it back to William, remember, he's the one who who went to St. Joe's the entire time. He's the one who that coach of his thinks he's going to be the next Isaiah Thomas, and there's a lot of promise in him. Arthur's got promise, but Arthur's smaller. Arthur's got a little bit of an attitude problem. And, And William is more, at least on appearance, like the model student. We, we see, you know, there's that big reveal that we mentioned where we see his, uh, that he's had a kid and he didn't tell anyone. Right. Like none of Hello. the filmmakers. <laughs> um, or, or anyone, really. And we see, like, maybe he's not perfect, um, which is fine, you know? He's a kid. But we also talked a little bit about his brother as well, Bo. That's kind of where we left off. Remember, like, the whole big reveal that Bo was... Uh, um, like this big college basketball star as well, and he just couldn't yes. get along with the coach. Yeah. And we essentially see him get, like, worse and worse off in this film. But just to recap, what's really, really derails William are these injuries. It's kind of like some scary scenes, right? Like, they, we see him, like, drain the knee, and then yeah. talk about the torn meniscus, and they got these all, like... Like, I feel bad, because, like, he wants to play, and... I mean, what do you think about all that, like the injuries and the medical aspect of this? That that probably messed with me the most. 
um, just because there were certain scenes, like times that he just shouldn't have been back out there. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah, it was it was tough, and like you could see it coming. You know, mm-hmm. that was probably the the roughest part. Uh, we we kind of talked about this a little bit on Varsity Blues when, when we did that one together. Just the whole aspect that like these high school players are so responsible for so much at such a young age that the medical care just like getting shot up with things so they could play and it's just it's just scary to think about like these are kids yeah yeah and it's it's crazy because at the high school level i'm not going to say that the 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 trainers and the athletic staff don't know what they're talking about because that would be like a you know a a crazy thing to say but (laughs) they're definitely not Eh, not all the way there, mm-hmm. you know. I think it actually wasn't until what did they bring the um, the Bulls? Yeah, staff in. I, I remember or that. Or sent them to yeah, sent them to one of those. He has doc- like a doctor, and they do a surgery, and he thinks it goes well, and it kind of does, but he, like he gets injured again. Then yeah, I think they bring in like the Bulls doctor, which is again insane. This is a high school yeah. student, and this is like the Michael Jordan era Bulls. This isn't like Bulls. Doctor yeah, doing nothing. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "No, this is what you have to do. You have to." Oh. And they have all those like rehab scenes, and it's just—it's like a scary, scary thing. What a bummer! What a bummer! <laughs> that could like sum up this movie. Not yeah. because it's bad, but like it's—it's it's <laughs> what? Just what a bummer! Yeah, yeah. It's a sad, sad. Movie. Oh man, it really comes to head for him when he—and we talked about this a little last time—but when he's in that um, camp with all those, like, college prospects. Mm, yeah. And you see, like, the Fab Five, like Juwan Howard. You see, like, guys who actually made it. And he's holding his own with all of them. He's yeah. Like, That's what was so such a bummer about it. I think, I could be wrong, but that was, like, one of his first, like, his return. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, it's almost something that he had to do. Yeah. You know, as far as playing. Recruiting is like any other sales business. We've got to win to keep our jobs. We've got to fill the arena to keep our jobs. And if we don't, they fire us. I mean, that's, that's, hey, bankers don't make money, they fire them. You look at some of these young boys' bodies, they got NBA bodies already. Already. One particular kid who's here now, I've watched him since sixth grade and I've watched him blossom. Because that's when you want to get on them when they're young and start writing them before everybody else writes them. Try to get any edge you can in this business. It's already become a meat market, but I try to to, uh, do my job, you know, and serve professional meat. schools do you think are most involved William, right now? I would say DePaul, Marquette, Indiana, Michigan. Excellent. Great job. Way to go. Bob Gibbons done seen me play my best game out here and turned in 16 points, 12 assists. Bob Gibbons over there like this. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was smiling too, Bob. <laughs> What I thought was hysterical was if you just listened to some of the conversation between the coaches, I mean, it's like downright creepy. Like, I think at one point, the the Marquette coach yeah, is like, he's like, look at these boys' bodies. <laughs> he's like, we, 
You get them while they're young. <laughs> I mean, that's like that's a direct quote. <laughs> Jesus. Oh man, there were some serious, uh, serious recruiters there, though. Yeah, people have said, um, especially people who are not into sports or into the sports world, that it is pretty like creepy is a good word, or even like archaic, or some people have even harkened back to like slave times. Yeah, like, for sure. Like, like like a market you for know? sure like, like look at this guy's legs yeah he looks strong i don't know if he could take it it's like fucked up yeah yeah um I, I i'm a big sports guy so like i'm kind of used to it but when i ever whenever i step back like the nfl combine has been on and it's like yeah it's like that you know <clears throat> yep. like, a, like a market the meat for, like, market for beings. sure for <laughs> sure and i think when you're in that world you're not seeing it that way because that's your job right but Again, uh, just a slight step back. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a really slight step. <laughs> <laughs> you know, eventually, the I guess the big disappointment of William, well, there's a lot, but one of the big disappointments, as we mentioned, he, he ends up signing with Marquette and that, and he does it early, and the coach was kind of pushing him, like, oh, why don't you wait? I was with William here. Someone offers you a fucking scholarship? Yeah. You got, like, you got to take it. You don't know, like, if that knee's going to give out or yep. not. Thank God he did. Yep. That was, like, the only saving grace, mm-hmm. <laughs> saving grace, you know? When that Marquette coach is in their living room and he's like, listen, you sign with me now, I forget about the other people I'm signing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you wait till later, he implies, like, this might not be here. Mm-hmm. And I know that's, like, a ploy, like, t- and, and I know that... You know, there's a good chance that if he has a, a good season, he's still going to want him, you know. But it's like, with the way he was saying it, like, I, I, I would be the same as William, you know. Like, I thought that was the one place where he actually showed maturity. Like, <coughs> so it, it's not as, like, dramatic as, the, like... So, yeah, the Marquette scene, did that happen in the living room or did that happen at the at the, at the oh, office? It might have been in the office, in yeah. In the office, yeah. after they did all the, like... Yeah, the sorry, fake, that's where I got it wrong. Yeah, the know, fake, uh, the fake crowd. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. You're right. On the, I'm really <clears throat> confused. On the recruiting trip, they have like the fake announcer. The fake announcer. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they killed it. I mean, for <laughs> thinking about like where he was coming from, and even that time frame, they like they went all out for it. <laughs> Absolutely. But the, I think the big high school disappointment is that whole thing with, like, downstate, right? Like, it's about going downstate and playing um, in, in the state tournament. And that school, like, makes it almost every year. And all four years of William's tenure, he they didn't end up making it. Yeah. Yeah. The coach was so interesting because he could only... It, it was almost one of those things where, like, he didn't even try to to fake it, mm-hmm. right? There were like these awkward moments of <clears throat> um, where he was just unable. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Unable to show any sort of like affection or even like pretend to care no. beyond yeah. what was happening on the basketball court. Like you could tell he was he was not happy with the way things turned out. No, no. Uh... I was thinking about that a lot, and I feel like if you, this isn't justifying it, but people get to the positions they're in because they have attitudes like Mm -hmm. that, right? Like, this guy's a longtime coach there at this big school because 
Not that he doesn't give a fuck. He does, but he cares about winning. Yeah. And he has built this pedigree. Whereas, you know, let's juxtapose it with uh, Arthur's coach, who seems like a genuinely nice guy, right? Mm. Like, he's a realist. But, and you know, that team does well. But you feel like, how can I put it? Like, you feel like that's the only place this guy's going to coach. Sure. They're never going to hire him at, like, right. a, a St. Joseph's. Sure. Like, he, he's probably a better human being. And maybe an X's and O's coach. Who knows? But he's never gonna have like this legacy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's which is like depressing as hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I don't know if we mentioned it last time, but the great irony of this film is that Arthur, who seems like he's on the wrong path, all his you know friends are like dropping out or bad things happening to him. He ends up becoming a team leader and leading his team downstate. Yep. Whereas William, and it's not his fault because he's injured. <clears throat> can't do the deed and arthur's team goes on this amazing run down there and all william can do is like watch uh, we talked about how arthur visits like william and he starts to see people and they're like oh you know like that's a nice moment yeah 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 it was interesting it was almost like like you said earlier about the two characters Arthur being a little bit more, we'll say, rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was weird. It was, it was almost like that resilience. Yeah. You know? And he had to. Yeah. He had to. Yeah. Anyone I talk to about this film, and it's not a lot, but like when I have, especially since we've recorded, people are like, oh, what are you doing in the hoop drinks? They say people seem to be more drawn by Arthur's story, despite like William being the golden child. Yeah. Like, why do you think that is? Oh, man. More... <coughs> more of an underdog story. Right, yeah. You know, you see the turmoil with his dad. Um, I think you're in his home a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You see the struggle with his mom, um, like with her work. Uh, yeah. There are I think times... Just, I was thinking about this. So there are times where I feel like... and quite obviously, again, with the pregnancy thing, there are times where I feel like William is playing to the camera a little bit more. There's moments where he gets real, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But Arthur feels, like, real the entire time. Yes, you know? for like, sure. that's who he is. Yeah. William is trying to be almost Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Arthur loves Isaiah Thomas, <clears throat> but is, is very much his own, and for better or worse, but very much his own guy. Yeah, and he was just more interesting, like, the fashion the hair, well, yeah, yeah. the haircut, <laughs> you know. Well, he, haircut's perfect, right? I feel like William is maybe because of the school he goes to, is doing everything to fit the mold of who people want him to be. Yeah, yeah. Where Arthur is just, again, he's resilient. He doesn't end up going to a world of drugs. He ends up, or, or you know, drug dealing or whatever. He ends up actually like somewhat succeeding here, but. He's still, like you said, the fashion, the hair. He's still pretty much living his own life. He's his own guy. Um, so another reading I wanted to ask you about of this film that like, I found kind of super interesting was people seem to... And it's something that the coach echoes earlier on. Uh, sorry, Arthur's coach echoes earlier on. Mm-hmm. That is William this way because he's 
I don't want to say coddled, but he's taking care of way more than Arthur, right? Arthur's cut off from St. Joe's. Like, they don't give a fuck about him. Um, and he's, for lack of a better word, more free because, not that he has to be, but he has to be resilient. Whereas William is living under this structure, so we're, able to, we're seeing less of him because of almost the character he has to play. Yeah, I think so. And I think what's interesting is I saw this so long ago and it didn't even like resonate at all because <clears throat> um, I was like, damn, they're trying to live it myself. <laughs> um, it's true. But toward the end, you see this almost higher level of consciousness that William is starting to play with just a little bit as yeah. far as his his uh his exchanges with the coach you know like yeah. the the whole this ain't really this ain't right mentality mm-hmm. and he takes it in stride takes it with a little bit of a smile but um it was like just when maybe we're about to crack that surface and see see uh i don't know a more real side yeah i mean even the just again the decision to go to marquette like before his senior year committing there. Yeah. Even, again, we talked about Bo a lot last time, the brother, but, you know, that aside is something we both discussed as one of our favorite things where they just like, you know, everyone wants to be my coach, you know? Mm -hmm. That's where we start to see him gain this, like, consciousness. Um, So, like, their high school careers end, both in disappointment, but much less disappointment for Arthur because while his team doesn't win the championship, they're like, you know, killing it Yeah, they there. take a crack at it for sure. One of my favorite moments is when uh, Arthur's mom and dad are walking around uh, University of Illinois, like beautiful campus, and they're just like, you know, this would be a nice place for William to go. Oh, sorry, this would be a nice place for Arthur to go. Mm. And it clicked with me in that moment that all these colleges are recruiting these kids. Maybe not Arthur, but <coughs> William. But, like, they're so disconnected from what these colleges actually are or what they look like. They're just, like, names on a jersey, or maybe you see them on TV. But yeah. Just picture, like, where we saw these kids living and then that campus, you know? Yeah. It's just, like, a peaceful, like, park, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then even the time frame, like... They would have to make a phone call and get someone to mail them out a brochure mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to to see like six pictures of what this place looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like they were going on Which Google. Is, yeah, it's true. And checking it's out the canvas. It's crazy to think about. <laughs> just you know, I kind of just want to tie up the story so that we can get into some themes and such. William ends up going to Marquette. He doesn't have the greatest career there. He's he's injured, but at least he gets to go to college, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Arthur ends up, at least in the movie, as we discussed, going to that really rural school where they just have all the basketball the basketball team in one little in house, Flywood, <laughs> which is just incredible. It- you know, I liked that coach because he was a realist. He was like, you come here, you can go to another. 
place in two years, you know? Yeah, yeah, Play yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I yeah. know it's not the you know the, your ideal outcome, but <laughs> yeah, Arthur ended up playing like D one ball for two seasons and and starting eventually. Um, again, William played at Marquette, and you know he didn't have the most memorable career. Neither of them went to the NBA, um, but there's a lot of after things that happened with this film that I'd like to discuss. But before I get into like what happened after the credits and such, was there anything else in this film that you wanted to discuss or bring up? There was... <clears throat> I mean, nothing as far as serious themes. There was so much just like, like funny side shit yeah. that went down. Um but I did think, I don't know if we got into the guidance counselor, who was like super fly every time she was on camera, which I thought was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. You mentioned how she was just like... <laughs> um, to the nine. She yeah. always knew the camera was coming. Um, I think that the wrap-up with Arthur playing like with his dad, mm-hmm. the symbolism there... This was wasn't lost on me. Almost like you know, we were talking about the differences in the two, <clears throat> and even William was kind of like path of least resistance. Yes, with his father. Yes, you know, he and almost there. everything, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I think he went there. His dad like offered him some old cutlass or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, and then Arthur's like still outplaying almost as if the hardest game he had to play was against his father it was like at home it's true you know it's true i mean these filmmakers again gonna tip my hat to them because being in that situation like being with this, these families for almost six years they're in it. and then being able to edit all this footage down for us to like Take and we keep calling them characters. We keep calling these things scenes, and they're not because it's real life. But the way the filmmakers frame it, yeah. they feel like characters. Yeah. Things feel like scenes. And you're absolutely right. Just the dynamic with his dad playing ball with his dad, and like his dad's ripped. You know? <clears throat> yeah, <He's> like, man. <laughs> I was like, dude, this guy was like a straight up crackhead, <laughs> and here he is taking his kid to the hole. Oh man. I mean. <laughs> Today, things are so different in terms of basketball recruiting. Um, players are identified so much younger than they are even in this film. Oh, yeah. They, and they go on the AAU circuit, and they're even though it's not, like, official, they're, like, treated way... Like, there's rarely... And you guys out there can correct me if I'm wrong, but there are rarely any players like there used to be who come from, like, like this kind of, you know, uh, urban environment from like the jump you know go to a school like this play d1 make it to the nba because since they're identified so young high school basketball has even like kind of waned in the last like 10 years and it's been all about aau oh yeah and and even high school basketball like there and i'm sure you know this but there are so many like these private high schools who just recruit recruit you know, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's all about playing the sport. Yeah, they educate you, but it's all about getting to that level. Yeah. And I did you don't see a lot of that here because I can't think again, just a different time that wasn't as structured. But I don't know if you get a hoop dreams today. I'm sure that there's stories here and there, but I think 
at least from what my reading, at the time, Arthur and William's stories, and even success stories, like, were a lot more common yeah. than today. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, did you, I know you, you played high school basketball, and you said you were recruited. Did you ever play AAU ball? Yeah. <laughs> what was that like? Intense. But, like, it's even then, yeah, even then, it outshined the high school, the high school game. Which is crazy. Yeah, definitely, outshined the high school game. Yeah, it was intense, man. It's, but, like, you were glad to be there, you know? I can only imagine, but it just, to me, like, looking at it as, like, an adult, I, it's just so weird to... I, okay, so, I'll backtrack a little. I picture myself in high school. I thought I knew it all. I thought I, I could do anything. I thought I had figured out my life. Obviously, I hadn't. You know, I don't think I've even figured out my life right now. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but just to like have so many people, for lack of better words, like counting on you. Again, I know you didn't grow up in this kind of an <clears throat> environment, and you know, from what I hear, you had nice, loving parents. It was funny. All the 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 guys from the AAU squad would come out to our place like the inside joke was um because we were out on long island Mm -hmm. so it it was very middle class comfortable middle class Mm -hmm. but um the joke was like going out to bel-air that they're going out to (laughs) (laughs) bel-air but man i can't even tell you the amount of guys that i know knew still know some of them who had the whole fam just just on their back you know it's crazy yeah i know you shared your experience a little uh how how your parents actually like kind of were the opposite in terms of like you know not obviously not counting on you but also not pressuring like oh you got to get to the nba yeah not not at all so did you play with anyone who who maybe like you said with these families or at least get that D one scholarship. Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of guys came out of um, Amityville and Hempstead, Long mm-hmm. Island, and they were just beasts. But the the main thing was staying out of trouble. It was literally I mean, staying good, out of trouble, right? Yeah, and not all of them did. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. But it's something again where you and I. Uh, today have so much perspective I can't imagine and again you could speak to this more than I can I can't imagine being in that kind of pressure environment even if it's just from your family yeah and, and without any perspective yeah like, oh, it scares me like yeah <laughs> it's insane it is insane so hoop dreams great great I mean in my opinion you know we could talk about grades and everything but in my opinion, great, great documentary. I understand why it is considered one of the greatest documentaries For of all sure. time. But it's something that, like, if you think the depression ended when the credits rolled, it did not, you know? <laughs> the postscript to this film is intense. So we talked about how both Bo, um, you know, which is... Wait, <laughs> Again, this is why Arthur's dad is Bo Arthur's dad. Or yeah, what's the brother's name? Yeah, yeah Bo is Arthur's dad, and sorry, I was trying to think of the brother. That's all right. Again, it's been. Uh, 
Curtis. So we had juxtaposed how like Bo in Arthur's life and Kurt was a, similar to Curtis in William's life. You know, mentor figures who kind of had put a lot of stock in their children and or children slash brother mm-hmm. and you know kind of like disappointed <clears throat> in real life it's sad to find out the fate of both these characters i don't know if you read what i happened did not oh boy <laughs> curtis ended up getting killed in 2001 in a carjacking um which no one Jeez. wants to see that and Bo was shot to death Bo, arthur's father was shot yeah. to death in an alley you know, in a similar robbery situation. Arthur has spoke about this, you know, in subsequent years, even recently, and said he, you know, while watching the film, at least 10 of the friends you see there were uh-huh. shot and killed. So, like, if we, you know, it, this is a different time, obviously. I'm not saying gun violence isn't still a serious thing, but different time. But just the fact that basketball kind of distracts us from... from a lot of what's going on around the story. Mm. Like, yeah, it's disappointing, but when you think about these people um, around them and their fates, yeah, these guys actually both succeeded. They both ended up going to college. They're both al- alive today. It's it's scary to say that being alive is, is a landmark, but it really is for yeah. these guys. Yeah. Shit, and from that area, I mean, I don't know what's happened in the last year or two, mm-hmm. but apparently the gun violence ain't any better. It might be worse. <laughs> so in Chicago in general, but funny you mention that, the neighborhood that they're from, which is called the Cabrini Green Housing Project, has been completely gentrified. Oh, yeah? Like, it's, it's I've never been there, obviously, <clears throat> but it's supposedly, like, a, a pretty nice neighborhood now. The projects have all been, like, leveled. That was and, the scariest neighborhood ever. Do <laughs> right. you remember the movie Candyman? Yeah, oh my god. Candyman took place in Cabrini Green. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Even when I, when I first started watching the, wow. uh, the doc, I was like, oh shit, maybe this is why I didn't watch it last time. Why I didn't finish it. Yeah. The last um, Cabrini Green uh, project or apartment complex was, was taken down in 2011. So that's not even oh wow there anymore. Like it, it's just insane. Yeah, to place think is about. bad news. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not like supporting gentrification, but it's just like, wow. Again, and more powers to the filmmakers, huh? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so Arthur ended up having a pretty successful career as not in basketball, but like as a public speaker. He still goes around today, um, just talking about his experiences. With the film, um, speak, you know, he makes, I don't know how much money he makes, but he, he does, from what I understand pretty well, like speaking to corporations and, and at film festivals. Huh, that's cool. I didn't know that. William had not the, you know, not the same success as Arthur. There was a lot of disappointments, and you can tell. One of them being even after this. So he recovered from the knee thing. He was training. Uh, Michael Jordan, when he came back with the Wizards, actually put together uh, like a, a bunch of you know people who weren't in the NBA streetball guys to play with him to get him back in shape. William was on that team. He loved how William looked, and he offered him a tryout with the Wizards. And apparently, he tore his knee right before the tryout again. Shut <laughs> up. So it's like, oh my God, right? 
Oh my god, is right. Oh, sorry, I just want to correct myself. I looked at it. It was a broken foot, but still, same thing. Um, and, you know, when Michael Jordan called him, he was actually, from all accounts, like maybe not feeling the best, 260 pounds, really out of shape. And he lost 50 pounds to, like, work out with Michael Jordan and do this, and he ends up breaking his foot. Damn. Also, Curtis was murdered around the same time. So he just, he wasn't in the right headspace. So, you know, depressing. <laughs> really Damn. sad. Um, from you all accounts, lying. you know, him and Arthur actually, like, worked together on some public speaking and, and some, like, Hoop Dreams projects. So that's good. You know, for, from everything I read, he's, you know, he's in a really good space as well. I'm glad that they could. Sometimes you're like, oh, you know, they're really exploiting this film. Fuck that. I'm glad that they could yeah. do that. Yeah. I'm glad that the filmmakers ended up paying them after the, you know their NCAA eligibility, as we mentioned last time. Yeah. Yeah, Hoop Dreams is one of the few documentaries <coughs> to make a boatload of money, from what I hear. Um, oh, yeah? So, good for them. You know, it, it, you can't watch that and be in that setting and not be like, all right, I want to root for these guys. No yeah, for what. sure. They're not, both kids are not bad. Nope. Bad kids. So, there's actually a spiritual sequel to this that Arthur was behind called Hoop Reality. I didn't see it. But again, I'm not going to complain about these guys trying to make money off this because, you know, I don't want to say they were exploited as kids, but they were certainly used, right? Like, used is bad because I do like the filmmakers here, but... Yeah, yeah. And I wonder, with all of the chaos going on around them... Would they have even made it that far without, without the doc? And I don't mean skills-wise. No, that's a really good question. I, mean, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you have these cameras on you. You're going to want to you know, play up to it. You're going to want to see this structure. Yeah. Um, you know, see yourself go through. Like, you know how important it is in life to have just people almost rooting for you, mm-hmm. right? Like people behind you. I hadn't thought about it till you mentioned it, but this documentary crew like kind of acts as that. Like, yeah, they're making a movie about me. I gotta see this through. Yeah, you know, and like especially Arthur does not seem like the type just to want to like be in class. And, like, <laughs> no, clearly not. Get home doing his homework <laughs> and all that shit. You know, um, he also seems like the type to get his teachers to write him some grades up. You know, with half-ass attendance, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? So I think, yeah, it's interesting. In a a way, I'd like to believe it goes goes both ways. Yeah, I mean, as we mentioned at the beginning of this, like reality TV, like any documentary, you can't truly anticipate or you can't truly believe that it's 100% real Mm. because cameras on you changes everything. Now, look, with time, you start to forget the cameras are there, get used to them, and I get all that. But there's no way we can be 100% ourselves all the time if the cameras are on us. Um, So with that being said, though, I think this really did find a a pretty realistic tone. I didn't feel like I was watching, like, Kardashians or something. Oh, for sure. Like, being fed lines or anything like that. Oh, for sure. I don't think, not to take away from Arthur and uh, William and their family, but I also don't think that there was that level of sophistication both in the time frame that mm-hmm. it was shot like the actual time yeah right because this is still like a fairly cutting edge yeah you didn't make endeavor. a documentary back then to 
Yeah, like there was HBO, and I think there was like Showtime and things like that, and you would get documentaries. But even the documentaries on that wouldn't like gain mass popularity. Yeah, and like, then and then even being in this in this situation, like these guys were were obviously visibly shy, you know, shy around the camera, head down, the smiles, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. sheepish smiles on. So hoop reality uh, actually was about a, a player from Chicago, Pat, Patrick Beverly. And Arthur Ag mentored him, and now Patrick Beverly plays for the Clippers, the the LA Clippers of the NBA, and uh, so it's funny because like that the sequel, like they actually theoretically found someone who ended up actually uh, going to the NBA and being a star. I didn't even know there was one. That's so funny. And I've never seen it, but the filmmakers of Hoop Dreams were actually like they weren't like, oh, how did you take this title? They're actually very happy and proud that he did that. And again, I'm. Super happy that this film doesn't have a legacy of the like, oh no, you know, like suing people. Sure. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if there's nothing else you want to talk about with Hoop Dreams, every week I've been giving these awards, but I don't know if they apply here because it's not actors. I'll just say them. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen the film Days and Confused, uh-huh. but that has like Matthew McConaughey in it, and Matthew McConaughey plays his character Wooderson. He was only supposed to be in the film for like two minutes, but he did such a good job on screen, and it's only a second film ever. He did, did such a good job on screen that he was added more and more to the scenes and the shots, and basically like that's his legacy today. He ends up winning an Oscar because of how hard he works in this film because he gets more and more shots. I think this one will apply for this film. Every movie I try to give out this what I call the Wooderson Award, it's a character or in this a person who you would like to have seen more of. Like, someone who, like, broke out and, like, I want to know more of their story. Interesting. That's good. Who would I give it to? Yeah, like, who would you want to see more of here? Or who, who like, in their screen time stood out so much that you're like, that person's interesting. I want to know more. Oof. Um, well, I, I, I'm, first I went to see, I wanted to say Bo. But I, we kind of know his story. Mm-hmm. We know his story arc. Um, yeah, Bo and Curtis definitely stand out, as we said. Yeah. But I think the filmmakers actually do a pretty good job of like telling their story and yeah, the screen yeah. time for them. You know, Arthur's friend, Arthur's homeboy. Yeah. <laughs> I keep forgetting his name. But. Yeah, who just kind of showed up. He showed up and he... And you could tell he had a pretty hardcore presence off camera. It, it's one of those things where like, I remember when the real world came out, I forgot which character, but there was this one girl who seemed like so lame. And then I found out years later that she was like always partying and doing cocaine and like getting high so she could never be on screen because she was always doing something. And I kind of felt that way, not about the drugs per se, Mm -hmm. about Arthur's homeboy, but like even when they showed him on the court, he was nasty. Yeah. You almost get the sense that if he focused, too, he could have been just as good as Yeah, Arthur. yeah. I think the coach at one point says, uh, you know, we can't have two of the guys like this on the team, and we chose Arthur. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because so, he was on the team, like, briefly. Ah. Uh. Yeah, I'd love to see more of him. I, I know a lot of people have said they'd love to see more of the moms, because we do yeah. get a sense of it, too, but, like, we don't even know that, like, who's, I think it's... Is it Arthur's mom who's going to, like, nursing school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we see that, but we don't really... 
Like, it's not like that's part of the storyline. Right, you know? right. The filmmakers actually, in a weird way, answered this question, not in terms of characters, but they said stuff they ha- wish they had more footage of or that they included in the film. And they said two things. The first thing they said was, apparently there was this great scene that Isaiah Thomas actually shows up again. Or, there's an Isaiah... Yes, that's what it is, sorry. There's an Isaiah Thomas film that they're going to make for TV. Um, like, for, like, ABC or something. You know, they used to do a lot more of those, like... Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, apparently, Arthur got an audition. So they had to, like, dress him up like a young Isaiah Thomas and... and you know, he, he auditioned for it, and they weren't able to show that for whatever reason. And the other thing, apparently there was a lot of compelling stuff. Again, these aren't characters, it's just moments. There was a lot of compelling stuff with Arthur in school. Like, more, like, struggling to make grades, mm. and, like, what he had to do to pass. That they cut from the film, that the filmmaker said they regretted it, because there was, like, a great story in there, too. Huh. So these other awards are definitely less applicable. Huh. Better for narrative films. A Long Duck Dong Award, 16 Candles, Long Duck Dong, offensively Asian character that probably should have been deleted from the film. <laughs> Do you think that any character in this we need to see less of? Ooh. It's hard to say, right? For I a don't documentary, think like, so. Yeah. I don't think so. I think That's a great do... question. Yeah, I think the filmmakers do a really good ba- like balancing act. Um, there was no one where I was like, all right, skip this guy. I want right, to go to um, right. We kind of have, you know, said that maybe Arthur's story is a little more compelling than... Not, not compelling is a bad word, but, like, maybe you find yourself rooting for Arthur. But it, I still felt like they're both enough meat on the bone where I wasn't like, oh, just make this Arthur's thing. Yeah, yeah. I know you're a guy who sees a lot of documentaries. I've seen them in myself where, like, you're watching a documentary and they're about, like, three or four people, and there's one you just do not care about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, no, I think they did a pretty, a pretty decent job. You know what, someone who I would have to go back to the, um, the, I'm calling it the McConaughey Award, (laughs) um, William's mom. Yeah. William's mom. It definitely made me wonder what was really going on there. I feel like every time they showed William's house or anything, I was like looking for clues, like looking to looking for more insight. Because they don't reveal the, about the father till much later. Yeah, and it's like short, short and sweet. I think it's what like a two minute scene. If yeah, that, it, it almost feels scene. like it almost feels like they were like, okay, and you sh- now you have to visit your father. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, like the, he has you know, no, maybe they were like begging him for yeah, like, like he has no business there, you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, so, you know, what? if we we're gonna delete someone, maybe it's even him, like because it just really, I'm glad we saw it because I wanted to know, yeah, but he really had no, yeah, impact or place on this film at all, you know. That's a good question, though. We definitely get more of Arthur's family, or maybe yeah. they're more characters, <clears throat> you know, I don't know, but that that's a good point. Now, this the third award doesn't apply at all. It's called the Cameron Fry Award. In Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Alan Ruck played Cameron Fry, and he was a 30 years old playing a high schooler. So I usually give this award for someone who looks too old to be a high schooler. But again, this is a documentary. That's pretty impossible to say. <laughs> so we'll pass on that. The critics on Rotten Tomatoes give this 98%. Audience score is 93%. 
So, obviously, this movie is rated very high. Hmm. These days on High School Summer Party, we rate things by grade, like a report card grade, A plus to F. Where, what would you put Hoop Dreams at? Like, what grade would you give it? Ooh, I'm going to give, I would give it, like, an A minus. And I say that because, well, nothing ever gets a perfect score. <laughs> but they put the work in and the effort. You can tell just by some of the scenes that we caught that they shot a lot of mundane scenes. Yeah. So they were committed to that. I also really dig how unremarkable it is in mm, a way, yeah. which is which is super real. It makes it feel very <clears throat> real. Though. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So like, Hoop Dreams doesn't end with LeBron James, you yeah. know what I mean? Which which lets you, without saying it, which leads you to believe, like, wow, this goes on, this goes on a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, these aren't the only two, you know? And, uh, yeah, and the way, like, shit, shit just happens, and they kind of roll with it. William has a baby. Like, Arthur's dad is a crackhead and leaves and then comes back to Jesus, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. his mom loses her job, but then, you know, persever- it's almost like all of the big, the, the, the fantastic storylines are within the story, like within the greater, within the greater story. Yeah. I'm going to give this like a solid A, so not far from off from you. I think that maybe people are turned off because it's full screen and it doesn't use the best cameras, but I liked that because it felt like it was there and present. It, believe it or not, it's simplicity, like, technical-wise, was refreshing. Because I thought it was, yeah. You put on, like, Netflix or HBO and all these documentaries, while some of them are great and I love, they all have such a similar narrative structure. Yeah, and they start with the fucking drone over the neighborhood, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> Oh, man. They have, like, actors, like, silently <laughs> acting out, you know. And trust me, it's comfort food. But this this wasn't comfort food. Yeah. Like, this was a throwback to when documentaries were just like, let me get as real as possible. Yeah. We're not trying to necessarily find the story now. When I say now, like, they're not trying to find the story while they're filming. They're like, we'll cut it, and not in, like, a fucked up way, but, like, the story will present itself to us almost. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and they went in and got after it. And like like the 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 height of the artistic kind of interjection is like that nineties saxophone that they use. <laughs> yeah. That that HBO Oz saxophone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so they did their thing. They did their thing. Absolutely. Um couple other things I ask every week. To my guest, um, again, some of them feel silly because this is not like a funny high school film, but uh, every week I ask, like, if you had to invent a Hoop Dreams themed sleeping bag, what would it look like for the slumber party? Ooh. Can I tell you mine? Yes. Because uh, I don't usually pick, sometimes I do, but like, I, I was like, I thought about it for this one. It would have to be something that matched, like, Arthur's, like, fashion and the one, 
You know, whatever it is. It'd like be all denim. Yeah, like all <laughs> denim, but like a purple stripe yeah. randomly in it. You know? <laughs> or it's anything that would look like it would be from that store that they shop in. Oh, man. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> and there were like sleeping bags like that back in the day, so I love it. I think you nailed it. <laughs> I was trying to think of a way to like to uh to work the jerry curl in there <laughs> that they all originated with, but yeah, the denim sleeping bag for sure. <laughs> oh man, I love it. Okay, I think you'd appreciate this one. This category is called Rent Two Movies, Get One Free. We're walking in Blockbuster, you know, if it's still open. We rented Hoop Dreams for our depressing slumber party. What two other movies should we rent for uh, it could be anything. It could be something you just watch or something that Hoop Dreams inspires you to watch. Ooh. Whoa. Candyman? Oh, yeah. You just mentioned it. That's a good call. Yeah. <laughs> um... Maybe Candyman and Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood. <coughs> that want to be dedicated to uh, to William's brother. Yeah. No, great picks. Great picks. So, anything else you wanted to mention about Hoop Dreams? or? No, I think that's it, man. Dope movie. If you haven't seen it, Yeah, I highly recommend. It. I highly <clears throat> recommend. Especially, again, we're in such a documentary era, and I know it's different, but... I. I think I mentioned it, but I was a little, not nervous, but I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to, in 2020, view this film. Uh-huh. I didn't want to be disappointed, and I really wasn't. No, uh, I agree. Super refreshing. So, hopefully we'll have some time this year to have you on again and do some of these black movies you were talking about. Hell yeah. <laughs> because I really want to. The other day while I was editing, I put on a class act with Kid in Play. Have you seen that one? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, I was like, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. I'd never seen it. It was... Uh, that was the one... That was the one too many. I think that was yeah, like... Yeah, because they... Well, I think they made so many house party yeah. films, but... It wasn't bad, though. It wasn't bad. It wasn't <laughs> bad. I mean, it's almost impossible for one of those movies to be bad, because once you sit down to it, you know what you're in for. Absolutely. Like those a, are great. It was such a, like a, a silliness about it. Like at the beginning, I was like, I'm not buying it. But by the end, like, oh, I you're in. The, the language of the film so well. Hell yeah, the plight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely want to, you know, tackle uh, some of the films again you mentioned last time. Let's uh, do it. It's it's an interesting genre. Hey, you know what? There's so many. Like I said, maybe we'll like, or even you mentioned, maybe we'll have to do a spinoff podcast. I'm with it. I am with it. <laughs> Let's get hood. Well, again, Kirk, thanks so much for being on. I know you don't like to have social media, so nothing to plug there. I don't know if there's anything else you want to plug. but <sighs> No, I'm just in it for the glory, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, again, thanks so much. Wow. Big thanks to Kirk for that. That was awesome. Kirkland Shepard. Can't wait to have him on again. What an awesome movie. If you haven't seen Hoop Dreams, if you just listened to that episode, I highly, highly, highly recommend checking this documentary out. It's on HBO, like, all the time, in terms of, like, HBO Go, HBO Now. So definitely, definitely watch it. So your homework next week, 
We're continuing our March Madness theme, if you will, and we're going to do another basketball movie. Mike Manzi is back, the co-founder of the Cage Club Podcast Network, and me and him will be talking about a little film called Hoosiers. These six individuals have made the choice to work, the choice to sacrifice, put themselves on the line, represent you, this high school. This is your team. Hoosiers. They needed a second chance to finish first. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the championship game. You're not the new coach. Are you expecting somebody different? <laughs> Younger. Most incredible and improbable confrontation. Well, those of you who don't know, my name is Norman Dale. I coached college ball for 10 years, but it's been 12 years since I've blown this. In the illustrious history of the Indiana High School basketball tournament. That's a hell of a team you had there. You knew that team? I know everything there is to know about the greatest game ever invented. With a pint size hardly big enough for three syllables, Hickory Huskers enrollment 64. Out of here right now. You're kicking me out? Yes. Don't come back until you learn to keep your mouth shut and listen. Take on the defending state champions, the Mighty Bears of South Bend Central. Run you off the boards. You got to squeeze them back in the paint. Make them chuck it from the cheap seats. Already calling this the game of the century. I've seen them, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days. News people from all over the Middle West are here to witness Hoosierland's version of the Cinderella story. It's got to work out this time. Oh, that's it for good. The starting lineup for the Huskers. Well, my boys only know basketball, farming, and school. A basketball hero around here is treated like a god. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. I love you guys. Team! Gene Hackman, Barbara Hershey, Dennis Hopper, Hoosiers. They needed a second chance to finish first. Can't wait to chat about Hoosiers. That's like one of the classic basketball movies. So it should be a good high school movie too. Haven't seen it in a while. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, speaking of high school basketball movies, I'm not sure if you guys have seen, but there's one in the theater now, Ben Affleck, The Way Back. Not to be confused with the way, way back. I kind of want to check it out. I wish I had the time or foresight to know that it was coming out and do it for March Madness here. But hey, we'll get to it eventually. If you guys see it, let me know what you think. Really appreciate it. Anyway, it's about that time. I'm really sore and tired from playing the game. Need to crawl into my sleeping bag. Get that pillow propped up. And hit the hay. So thanks so much, guys, for stopping by as usual. Later, dudes. Oh, oh. I can't forget. Gotta leave you with something from the Hoop Dream soundtrack. How about this song by Ben Sidren as well? Called Fast Break. Later, dudes.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.